And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the gospel of the Lord and this is our text. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, I remind you that if you haven't heard by now, we are in an election year. After a while, it might be easy to tune it out. But if you are listening, candidate records are being examined and Angles are taken to cast the proper light on whichever one is running an advertisement. Points are made that may only present a portion of the story in either a positive or a negative light. Certainly each candidate and the political action committees that support them suggest that the respective candidates will work to to guarantee the financial futures of those receiving Social Security and health care paid for by the federal government through contributions made throughout a worker's years of employment, while at the same time suggesting that the opposition will not do so, thus producing hardship for that particular group of constituents. There are also campaign suggestions that candidates will work to ensure that economic development and growth will take place for the sake of jobs, that it will be a top priority if they are elected, I don't know about you, but I have, as I've said before, I will say it again, I have really heard enough, and I probably have heard too much. However, however, it is the process, and we'll take that process as it comes. At the same time, hard work is an honorable characteristic, and financial security for retirement is an important and worthy goal as we live out our lives. We, we don't want to lose those things. Both suggest that we have been given gifts and abilities from a gracious and generous God who in his mercy provides for the needs of body even as he provides for the soul. In this morning's parable, we find the material provision for the body being given so that through the heavenly meaning of this parable, it might be known how the Lord provides for our souls. Our text for this morning deals with the issue of economic fairness in light of ample work opportunities. 
There are other issues that we can find in our text, but this one, from our perspective, jumps right out at us, even as it did for those who were working this harvest when it was time for them to to get paid. At first glance, the issue in the story of our text for today is fair pay. In our text, it is obvious that the owner of the vineyard was a wealthy man. Maybe you can imagine row upon row of vine planties with grapes that are ready for the harvest. Grapes in an abundance. Certainly he needed many laborers to assist with the harvest, for he had a short window in which to pick and to process the fruit of his vineyard. So about 6 a.m., he went into town where he knew he could find workers. He found them, and they agreed to a denarius, the going rate of pay for a day's labor. And so he took them to the vineyard where he put them to work. Our text tells us that he went back to the marketplace a few hours later, probably about 9 a.m., found still more workers, maybe, maybe ones who had overslept that morning and missed the first call to go labor. He told them that he would pay them what was right, and they agreed to go work. Though our text does not relate this, maybe he saw that there was still too much to harvest with the hands that he had, and he knew that there would be others who had slept in or who were unavailable at the first call for workers. So at noon, and even at three, he went to find more workers to employ and to put them to work and promised them that they would be compensated fairly. Makes sense. What we might have problems understanding is why he even bothered to go back at 5 p.m. and hire those standing around when there was only another hour for work to be done that day. We might also have a feeling that those left to hire were those really not willing to work, those who really didn't want to work but were desperate for finding some money for the night, whatever their need might have been. Surely we see that there was opportunity for anyone who wanted to have it, anyone who wanted to work, they could do it, even if it was the seasonal work of the harvest. But it was work nevertheless. From 6 a.m. to 5 p.m., the owner of the vineyard was hiring. But the real kicker comes when the owner of the vineyard informs his foreman to summon the laborers in order from last hired to first hired that they might then receive their pay, that they might get what was agreed upon, their wages for the day. He gives the one-hour laborers what he had promised to give the ones he hired at the first hour of the morning so that when those who were hired first came, those who had worked the entire day enduring the grind, <clears throat> dealing with the heat, they were expecting more. Maybe they saw themselves getting a bonus. However, when they were paid, they received the same. This would be grounds for a grievance to be filed in our day and time. Of course, they voiced their dissatisfaction. It is just not fair, they grumbled. The landowner said to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or 
Do you begrudge my generosity? So for us this morning, this parable stands on its own and calls us to consider the generosity of God toward us and toward all. But in order to understand why Jesus speaks this particular parable at this particular time in Matthew's gospel, it is important for us to understand then the context. It would also do us well to hear the words from our Old Testament reading for today from Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And maybe you're thinking that maybe the next day those who went out at 6 a.m. to get hired should show up at 5 p.m. And that way everything could be balanced. Isn't that the way we Isn't that the way we think about things? Previous to this parable, Jesus had promised that everyone who had endured loss for the sake of his name would be compensated, would be rewarded. This was shared by Jesus after Peter had stated that he and the disciples had left everything in order to follow Jesus. The twelve had been confused about how Jesus had dealt with a rich young man who had asked him, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus laid out and spoke of the need to to observe perfectly the, the second table of the law, those commandments that are given for us as God's will regarding our conduct in our relationship with our neighbors. Apparently convinced that he had kept the law, the rich young man did not want to hear what Jesus that from Jesus that he needed to sell everything that he had and follow him, if you remember the story, because I use this quite often, because it's, it's, a, it's a great piece about an idol that existed in the life, an idol that existed in the life of this rich young man. And that's all Jesus was trying to do was expose the fact that he could not keep the law. That even though he thought that the laws that related to his neighbor he had kept perfectly, which he hadn't, Jesus wanted to show that there was an idol in the way of his relationship with Almighty God. He was too attached to his possessions. Herein Peter sees that he and his fellow disciples had made the real sacrifice that maybe they're going to be rewarded highly. It was only fair that Jesus deal with them by rewarding them according, accordingly for faithfully following him. And so now if you hear the parable with that in the background, with that as part of the context, maybe you see where Jesus is coming from. It is important to realize that some workers really did much more work than others. It's obvious they worked all day long, 12-hour day. They ground it out, and it was hot. It is no small thing to put in a 12-hour day of hard agricultural labor. And certainly their complaint about the burden of the heat is probably not an exaggeration. Our very instinct of fairness and rightness urges that the wages should somehow be in proportion to the work. The display of generosity shown by the landowner should be seen as bad management. Plain and simple. He's throwing money away. There may also be some legal issues here. 
There is really no way to explain this equal pay for unequal work found in this parable. But that is the very point. That's the very point of this parable. This earthly story with the heavenly meaning demands that we see the treatment of the workers as unfair by normal common sense standards. The reason why Jesus shared this parable is though that he could share with his disciples some insight into what the reign of Almighty God is like. When God reestablishes his rule among women and men, his way of giving everyone whatever is right, whatever is right, is not restricted by our insights into appropriate earnings and wages and contracts. Those who insist on the proper distribution of such benefits will be least satisfied. Those who simply depend on the Lord to give them whatever is right. Let me say that again. Those who simply depend on the Lord to give them whatever is right will be surprised by his unbounded generosity. Unfortunately, some cannot understand that we receive the kingdom of heaven by grace through faith instead of by what we have done and then the grace necessary to provide the balance. It becomes a works righteousness approach to receiving the kingdom, and it's not that at all. Peter's question that brought about this parable may be our question. Lord, what will there be for us? What should we expect? But the question for contracting for appropriate pay and rewards in advance distracts us from the call of discipleship. At the same time, our calculation of return on investment for our service or for our sacrifice for Christ can easily prevent us from experiencing the joy of receiving from our generous Lord more than we could ask, more than we could think, and certainly more, certainly more than we deserve. The wages we deserve because of sin is indeed eternal death. In our view, it may not be fair for one who does less to get equal pay, but the real question that we need to consider is this. Do we really want, do we really want the Lord to give us what we deserve? What if the Lord gave us what we truly deserve him to give to us? The idea that it is that it is just not fair ultimately finds its proper and full understanding in the suffering and death of Jesus. It was just not fair that he should die for your sins and mine, but he did. Thanks be to God that he bore the full weight of our sins so that we could be made right by faith, so that he could generously forgive us our sins, so that he could cleanse us from all unrighteousness and give to us what we truly do not deserve, but what he nevertheless chooses to freely give. His kingdom unto eternal life. That's the gift. Therefore, we hear his call to work in the harvest. And so we joyfully answer by saying, Here am I, send me. So that we might generously share the good news of pardon and peace freely 
and equally given to us and to all. Not being concerned about what someone else is doing or about when someone else started doing it. But in great thanksgiving for what the Lord has chosen to do for us. And we do so because we are grateful for his unbounded generosity. Amen. Excuse me. May this peace of God, which surpasses our human understanding, guard our hearts and guard our minds in faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.